Our screens may be all different sizes this year, but our films will have the same sized impact. They'll shake you, move you, and refuse to leave you. Mark our words. Groundbreaking stories are very much to be continued. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our 2020 Toronto International Film Festival review of One Night in Miami. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you, except for this string of films where we are talking about films that just premiered at the 2020 Toronto International Film Festival. Um... Yeah, we're we're about halfway through our reviews. I guess we're on the back half now um, of everything that we've watched to tonight. Um, so still going strong, trying to get through it. You excited to get get to this next review, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, I I think we can reveal even in this pre banter that we have both been reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, and that yeah. was rather timely for watching this movie. Uh, it actually makes me wonder what this movie would be like if you didn't walk in with that specific context uh, of having it fresh. Um, But I I feel like what people don't understand is you say it's timely, but I don't think that folks will understand just exactly how timely it is. Like literally we're reading it as part of a book club and we just, we literally just finished the chapter that this night takes place during (laughs) So yeah. it's like yeah, it's, like like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it it feels it's it's strangely timed. Like we couldn't have planned that if if we wanted to. Um, so it was it definitely added like an extra level of intrigue to like how well that was timed out. And this is also a thing where when I booked the ticket for this, I saw oh Regina King is directing a movie. Cool, I'll watch that. It wasn't until like two days later that I was like huh, I wonder what that movie's about. And then I realized, like, oh, shit, that's that's literally about what we've been reading, uh, which, which is cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, should we get into it? Mm-hmm. All right. Once again, no trailers that I know of for this. Um, so we are just going to dive right in. Basically, this film takes place one night uh, in the 1960s where Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown um, meet together in a hotel room just after um, Muhammad Ali has won the heavyweight championship. And uh, they get together to discuss each of their individual slash collective roles within the civil rights movement. So, Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? Um, I would say I quite liked this movie. I think this movie feels very play-like, which shouldn't come as a surprise. It it was originally a play that was adapted to be yeah. a feature film. Um, and it shows. I think in some parts it shows in a negative way. Specifically, I think the first, like the the first maybe 20 or 30 minutes of this movie they feel expository in a very theatrical way of like, I'm Muhammad, or he wouldn't say that yet. I'm, I'm Cassius, <laughs> Cassius Clay. Clay. Let me tell you what I believe. Um, like there, there are some moments, especially early in this film where characters kind of present themselves and say, but wait a minute, aren't you Sam Cooke? Don't you represent this in a way that feels a little bit too <laughs> like on the nose. And, and like, you can tell that stuff would, 
play better in a theater where we tend to suspend disbelief a little bit more and we're okay with characters like stating themes out loud. Yeah. Um, but once this movie like settles into its groove, I would say once everyone is in the room that much of the film will be where spent in and yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'll we'll talk about Hamilton, um, but <laughs> w- w- once everyone is there and the conversations really start to fly, I was super into this movie. I, I feel like it, it gets into another gear when people start arguing with each other and never really gets out of that gear. For the rest of the movie, it becomes a very interesting kind of provocative conversation about a thing that clearly is very modern, even though it took place in the 60s, which... It's kind of how I feel about the Malcolm X autobiography, too, which is like, what is the best way to fight for progress um, in America uh, on the issues of race? And there are different, you know, different ways people approach it. Some people just want to live and let live and like, let me be a part of white society and I'm not going to rock the boat. And then slowly, maybe progress will come because a rising tide lifts all ships uh, ships and other people are like, I am going to be the fire and brimstone. I'm going to shout all cops are bastards, you know, to make a point, you know, I'm, I'm going to say things to jolt you out of your complacency. And uh, the gradient of opinions that is reflected in this movie and the way those discussions break down, I thought was great. I like, I really thought it captured the feeling of sitting watching a play like a live play and the kind of high wire act of like an emotional argument taking place. And you could just feel like the silences and the exact moment that the director decides, like, I'm going to take a pause for a minute. I'm going to play a song instead. I'm going to do something else to reset the audience. And then we're going to get back into it again. Um, So yeah, I, I really like the construction of this movie. I think the themes, they're wrestling with a lot of interesting things Definitely, there were a few times that it felt it what it wasn't movie enough. I know I know that's a dumb way to say it, but but there were things <laughs> that felt like they were literally just taking what was on the page and putting it on the screen without doing much to make it feel cinematic. Um, so that occasionally took me out of the movie. Like little stretches felt kind of didactic, where they were being a little too obvious about what they were representing and what they wanted to say. But for the most part, I was I was hooked in this movie. And I think the cast is great. Like, it's a bold choice to show historical footage moments before or after you are going to show an actor playing the same character. And, like, they nail it here because everyone just looks like the people that they are supposed to be. Yeah. Especially um, uh, Eli Gorey, who plays Cassius Clay. Like, that is, like, the most Muhammad Ali-looking person I've ever seen in a movie, I think. Uh, that That is pretty wild. Um yeah, I also think like the another brilliant bit of casting. Actually, no. Well, I'll I'll let you say what you think first, and then we can get into other stuff. How do you feel, Chris? Um, yeah, so I, I definitely agree with what you were saying about the sort of beginning of the film, where it's like the things that are like because this is basically a one act play <laughs> that takes yeah. place in the hotel room. So anytime they're not in the hotel room, it has to be like an extrapolation of that. But even the story itself is sort of like it opens with the title card based on real events or something like that. So these people met one night in Miami, but nobody was in that room. So this is, this is like somebody writing 
I, at least I assume this is somebody writing, what would these people talk about and how would they represent these arguments, right? It's like it's sort of like a, a fan fiction of, of like what these people talked about in that room. Though and, Jim Brown is still alive, so it's possible that he was consulted for this movie. But I assume it's fan fiction, like you said. Not yeah, fan yeah. fiction, but like yeah, it's sorry. the Jobs movie, right? F- yeah, f- fan fiction is maybe too much of a pejorative for what this film is doing. But I, but I basically what I'm saying is like, it, it's what if we get to the point of the essence of what these each of these four men represent and how they might argue for what it is they were doing um, for the civil rights movement and like how they thought they could help their fellow man. Right. And I think that as it started, I was kind of like, hmm, this is sort of like to, to me, the beginning felt rough because each individual was clearly doing a performance of a person who I didn't know at a young age. So it's like, I can see a person doing an impression, but I don't get the impression because I don't have historical knowledge of, like, I don't have a bunch of videos of that person at a young age that they're doing the impression of. So to me, it felt like it was kind of hard for me to get in it um, at at the beginning. And I was kind of like, oh, hmm, I wonder how this is going to go. As soon as they get into that hotel room, though, like (laughs) this movie is fucking great (laughs) like when they like the stuff that they're dealing with and like the way they are framing what each of these people brings to the table um i i just thought they were it was like i i really love people around sitting around tables talking like type of movies like those those type of movies just though like obviously the conversation has to be good um for them to work but the conversation in this film in this film is great especially the one of the things they do that is that is brilliant, which I, I assume is done in the play too, is they split the characters up at various points in yeah. time so they can say asides to other characters who might be sympathetic or or more pro to the position that they have. Like there there's there's a scene where Malcolm X plays a record and then just like gives it <laughs> to Sam yeah. Cook, right? And then he leaves and then Sam Cook talks to Jim Brown is like, yeah, it fucking hurt me when I heard this song. Like, like just th- those conversations are like, it's just so well done. And the way, the way you get to see how each of these individuals thought about what they were doing and how that applied and how the other individuals who had different ideas and actions thought of, of them. Um, I mean, this, this is going to be like the, this is the worst film to compare it to, but like, remember last year at TIFF when we reviewed the two popes? <laughs> yep. I thought about that. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's, it's people who stand for the same thing, but want to go about it in a different way and believe with all their heart that their way is at the very least appropriate to achieve their end goal. Talking to people who have a different frame of mind and all of this has the umbrella sitting over it and this is the thing that i think that like if we weren't reading the autobiography of malcolm x it wouldn't have hit me as much is like we know that he is just about to separate from the nation of islam and Mm -hmm. we know things are not going good for him and he needs cassius clay to join him and go to his side the other characters in that room, well, one of them does, but the other characters in the room do not know that. So everything he's saying has this secret underlying subtext of like, I am saying what I need to say to you to right now. 
and you're just waiting for that shoe to shoot to drop the ball to drop yeah shoot to drop both of them yeah they're waiting for the shoe to drop of like when is it going to be revealed <laughs> that like and how will that go over with the group and i just i think that th- the the way the layers slowly begin to build and the arguments for each of their cases are just it's it's very moving um especially like malcolm x like like he most of this time he is on the offensive or the defense mm-hmm. he, he, most of the time the other people seem to have like the the high ground to stand and be like look we're doing all this stuff don't worry about it and he's sort of backed into the corner and he gets his moment to shine where he like goes out and does this thing and it's like it's it's really powerful stuff yeah and like i i i found myself moved like all over the place during the watching of this film and i just by the end of it i was like i was kind of wowed by what was achieved with the way the story was told um and i i i like based on the first five ten minutes of the film i didn't expect to have a film that like played this powerfully to me by where it arrives at the end of the story. Yeah. And I think the real MVP is Michael Imperioli. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, The the real MVP (laughs) of this movie Uh, for me, I mean, everyone is great in it. Like, like I do believe that I know the definitive Malcolm X portrayal has already happened and we will be watching Spike's movie after the book club finishes. Um, and, and I assume then my opinion will change, but I did love uh, Kingsley Benadir's portrayal of Malcolm X because the, the thing from reading the book that you get is that he was very provocative and he believed what he was saying, but there's still a separation between the fire that he brings to his arguments and the, softness that he feels for people even that he is arguing with and that is just brought out in this movie in i thought a really lovely way where like he is like poking them in the eye but he loves them and they love him and like they are together and even as he is this strict observant muslim that seems like he is you know refusing to have fun like they can't go out and drink they can't go do this or that he also is palling around with them and like he know he still is like inhabiting both of those worlds at the same time in a way that I liked. But my MVP is Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. And I think the reason that casting is brilliant is this is a hundred percent playing off the Aaron Burr thing again. Like yeah. he basically is representing the same thing of I have this passionate idealist who is talking to me. And I represent someone who wants to get by in the world. And the way to get by is don't rock the boat achieve power by not putting yourself out there and risking everything every day, like pick your battles, decide what to do and amass power. And then you can make decisions that impact the rest of the world. And I I feel like the, the way that he gets to be both earnest, but then a little underhanded, like you, you feel that he's the person who might be the most like morally complicit of this group in terms of like, what they are arguing about like he he's the one who seems like he has to be put on the defense more often yeah um i I just thought he carried that so well and also his singing is amazing and like the moment he started singing i was like oh yeah of course that's leslie adam jr like of course he's singing in this movie (laughs) at first Um, i was like i was like i know this guy i know this guy and then i was like oh no fucking duh of course this is amazing yeah i i just think that that was just like a smart casting decision because he he just immediately represents everything that this character is supposed to represent in the context of the play, which, which yeah. I liked a lot. I am wondering, by the way, uh, before we wrap up, 
I'm wondering someone who didn't have this immediate context, because a lot of the tension in this movie underlying it is uh, Cassius Clay is about to announce that he's joining the Nation of Islam at the same moment that Malcolm X is about to announce that he is leaving the Nation of Islam. And two months ago, that would have meant nothing to me at no. all. I would be like, okay, what does that mean? You know, I, I don't know what that represents. I have no idea. Um and I'm curious for someone without as like fresh a memory on like what the Nation of Islam stood for and why it was radical at the time, but also why Malcolm X would be leaving it and what that might be foreshadowing for his future. I just wonder how it plays. Like I wonder well, how much that, that context helps that's, versus that's how why much we have, it just telegraphed anyway. That's why we have Christopher from The Sopranos that gets his like 13 seconds to, to say <laughs> To yeah, say that's true. why the investors <laughs> wouldn't want him hanging out with Malcolm X. Yeah, that 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 was one of those expository things, like so many towards the beginning before they get in that room, where I'm like, all right, you're really teeing this up. But maybe that's needed. Maybe yeah. maybe maybe that helps for people who don't have the I mean, so, context. So, this is also the first time I've seen Elijah Muhammad before. Like I hadn't Googled to get a picture of him. Yeah. It was interesting finally having like an image for the for the name. Well, so 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 I, I think once the reveal happens about that fact that he's getting ready to be to leave or be ousted, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. things come to the head, and you get all the context you need if you didn't have that. But I think the, I think you can't hear the desperation in Malcolm X's voice if you don't know that, like. Mm. There, there, there. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just me when I was watching it, but there, like, because that was floating in the air for me. I mean, there is a scene at the beginning where he, he like, they, they do enough separating it. He's talking to his wife, and he's like, "Oh, but I have one thing," and then they cut to Cassius Clay. But that, that wasn't the, that wasn't the fight before the night. That was just another fight that he was in. Um, right. No, I guess it was the fight before that fight. Um, but anyways, like, so, so the they are talking about something happening, but I think if you have that context for where he is about to go and, and, and how many times he has had to leave whatever his situation was, it, there's an extra weight to that, that I, I feel like you can hear it in his voice, like the way he argues things and like yeah. the way he has that, that record sitting in that case as like, that's like his last straw, right? He's like, I don't want to bring this yeah. out unless I have to. And then he's just like, I'm in a corner. I can't, I, I have to do this. I need to bring this out. And then he has that, that little like monologue. I, I think, I think it adds something extra. Like there's an extra thing that just sits there in the air that, that you're constantly thinking of like, man, when is this going to come out? Because this is not going to go over well. And I, I yeah, I, I just thought, Clearly, it's, it's this film is. I don't think this film is is intended to teach you about these four men. It's about talking about what they would have talked about at the time, and it's expecting you to have some sort of context for it. And it's not. Right. I don't think it's interested in in doing the work to bring you along. It's 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 not interested in exposition. It's interested in having these people have an argument. Um, and then you do with that argument what you want. Um, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really come down on any sides by the end of it. It's really just making interesting arguments from each of their point of views, and then you get a little vignette at the end where you kind of see 
how their views played out for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. And I do think the context does help you hear some of the the things that his voice catches on, like the, the emotion in his voice before it is made text. Uh, so I like that. It, it added a bit for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, I forgot. There was one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. I wonder in the stage version of this movie, there's a, there's a moment where they are recounting a concert in Detroit. I think maybe it was in Boston. Yeah, I forget if it was a Boston concert or a Detroit concert because he's, he's seen this person multiple times. Yeah. Um, but anyway, where they're recounting the concert, I, I wonder on stage how they do that because that played so well in the movie. Um, yeah, but having it be able yeah. to be like, having you being able to visually see that definitely, I think, like, I, I, like you can't do that. In a, the only way you could do that in a, in a play is if you had plants in the audience, enough of them, to have them recreate that scene for the yeah. like, <laughs> which which who's gonna do that? It's so much work to try to do that. I, I feel like it, it it must have been just a story in the play, and it's probably a thing that was like, man, now that we're doing this as a film, we can actually show this and have it like sit that way. And even just the way Malcolm X it appears in that scene where he's like, I'm going there just to see him. No, nah, it's time to leave. We we can just head out now. And just the like that joy in his face is is so great. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, and what's interesting too is that that joy kind of he. I, I know this is a little bit just from knowing the rest of his life, but he seems more nuanced than the Nation of Islam is in terms of like they had very strict rules. I think at a certain point, at least in the book, he said that. Like Elijah Muhammad tried to have them swear off music and singing and dancing and things like that uh, because it all was a distraction. Because I, I remember, I think for Louis Farrakhan, that was like a, an issue. Um, but you can tell, like, in that moment, he's standing there with his, like, Nation of Islam brothers and they're observing it kind of serenely as if it's, like, just their duty to be at the concert. Yeah. Um, but then when the clapping starts, like, you feel the other side of him come out, like, the one who is, like, I have my hardline positions and I'm also like, I'm vibing with you. Like I'm here. And I, I, I really like that combination. I thought that was good. Yeah. Though it did make me think like, man, I really want to watch Denzel as, as Malcolm X now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does make you wonder though, in that moment, is he, is that his inside coming out because of the performance or is he realizing what that man could become for his cause? Like it, it, it's, yeah. He, he's always on right he's always looking yeah, yeah. for how to achieve that goal and i i think it's like it's it both you could interpret that scene in both ways right um yep but yeah so i think it's safe to say we both like this film <laughs> yeah, yeah um let's get to our official verdicts then steven if you're going to give this a must see a record with the caveat wait for until pass with the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it um, even though, as I mentioned, I think the first maybe 25 minutes or so get a little rough, it it catches that groove and then the energy is just so great for the rest of the movie. I'm giving it a must-see anyway because I feel like that the central conversation is the point and I think they just totally nail it. Uh, and it's a great debut from Regina King. So, yeah, I, I like... I feel like when actors direct, they tend to focus on actors. And that is definitely true here where this is a actor movie, right? This is a like, 
let's talk. We don't need anything else. And I think it's just great material for her. So yeah, I'm, I'm all into it. Yeah, this is uh, an easy must-see from me as well. I thought this film was fantastic. And uh, whenever it becomes available, everybody should seek it out. <laughs> probably this year, because I think this is one of the movies people are talking about. So it, it probably already got picked up by somebody, actually. Yeah. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of our review of One Night in Miami. Uh, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. You can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the little jingle from the Toronto International Film Festival, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that's the review. We've got more to come, so see you in those reviews. Bye. Yep. Bye. This is Canadian content, and it's time we take credit for it, starting now. Oh, oh. Canada!